Okay, good morning everyone. Fix that. Okay. Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders. Live with First Seder Bismedrish Tuesday mornings, usually at 11.30. Today we're a little early due to a schedule change. I'd like to welcome our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will be joining us for this year. Today we are going to talk about a Torah personality that we've come across the last two weeks and other times as well. And that's why I figured we would learn about him. And that is Rabbi Yaakov Milisa, otherwise known, famously known as the Nesivas Hamishpat. He's known as the Nesivas. And we came across him with the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch two weeks ago, who based his Psakim on the majority of three Rabbanim, the Chayadam, Rabbi Milisa, and the Balatanya. And we came across Rabbi Milisa last week when we talked about the Chayadam, because he took um, some advice from Rabbi Milisa when he was in Lisa, and he spoke to him about the Chachmas Adam. So I thought that we would talk about Rabbi Milisa, the Nesivas. So his yard site was Chaf Ha'iyar a few months ago, in the year 1832, Tuf Kuf Tzadi Beis, so it was his 189th yard site um, on Chaf Ha'iyar. So, <clears throat> his, his name was Yaakov, and his father's name was Moshe. His father was a Rav. Rav Moshe was a Rav in the city Zabrov, which is in northeast Slovakia. His father, in other words, Rav Moshe's father's name was Rav Nosen Ashkenazi, and he was a son of the Chacham Tzvi Ashkenazi. So the Nesivas, Rabbi Yaakov Milisa, was a great-grandson of the famous Chacham Tzvi. In fact, in the end of his Sefer Makar Chaim, on Ilchaz Pesach, the Nesivas actually brings Chidush Torah from his father, Reb Moshe, on Mesech de Krisus. Um, there's, it's not known exactly what year Rabbi Yaakov was born, and therefore it's not known exactly how old he was when he was Nifter. Now what's interesting is that his father's name was Moshe, but at the end of his life, he actually changed his name. And they say that his father once was sick, and he saw um, in a dream that in the schus of his son Rabbi Yaakov, he is going to recover. And because of that, he added on the name Yaakov to his own name to show that Bishchus, his son, he recovered. So from then and on, he, he signed his name Yaakov Moshe. So the Nesivas himself used to sign his name Yaakov ben Yaakov Moshe. So that is how he has the same name as his father. Now his father, Rabbi Yaakov Moshe, was Nifter at a young age in the year 1770, Tav And it's very interesting that um, he's buried in, um, in the city Zabrov, where he was from, and his mother actually is buried right next to him. His mother was a very chash of a lady, the daughter-in-law of the Chacham Tzvi, Brindel her name was, and uh, it seems that as he got very sick, he called his mother to come visit him, and she came too late, and she, he had already passed away, and she got very, she got sick from the pain of not seeing her son, that she was nifter actually three weeks later, 
Lamid. So again, he was in Shvat, end of Shvat, and she was in Adar, and Tasvav Adar is Shusham Purim, and she is buried right next to him. Um, his wife, the mother of Rabbi Yaakov, was the daughter of a Gvir Hamafursum B'Tzid Kasai, a very wealthy fellow who was very famous for his righteousness, and his name was Rabbi El Yochum Getz, from a city called Lubertov. Lubertov. Um, now, when Rabbi Yaakov became an orphan, his father was Nifter, I don't know when his mother was Nifter. I saw in one place that says his mother was Nifter also when he was young. But either way, his father was for sure Nifter when he was young. So he went to his, his uh, cousin, the son-in-law of his uncle, whose name was Rabbi Yosef Tu'umim. And he was the Rav in a city called Borstein. And um, that's about also in, in uh, that's in like the western Ukraine. It's about 60 kilometers east of Lvov. So he went from, um, he went from Slovakia to Ukraine, in today's modern day terms, to his uh, cousin, Rabbi Yosef Tumim. And uh, he took care of him and he taught him Torah. And when he got old enough to, to uh, time for Shaduchim, so Rabbi Yaakov married the daughter of someone named the Gvir, Reb Herzl, from Stanislav. Stanislav is in southwest uh, Ukraine. And he went to live with his father-in-law. Um, now, similar to the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, similar to the Chaya Adam, like we've spoken about in the last two weeks, he also did not want to earn money from being a Rav or using Torah to earn money. So therefore, he rented and he, uh, he leased a Weinheis, a, uh, a, uh, um, like a tavern, and um, he, that's how he made his business. And twice a week he would go into the uh, marketplace, wherever that was at that time, wherever the uh, market was going on, he would go there for business. Now about 13 kilometers from Stanislav is a city called Tismanitz, or something like that. Um, and over there, the Rav of that city was a very famous personality, Rameshulam Igra, who later on became the Rav in Pressburg. And um, very often, Rabbi Yaakov would travel to Rameshulam Igra to learn Torah with him. So, now, even though he was very busy with his Parnasa, however, Tairasa Umnasai, just like the other Paiskim of the previous weeks, he was very involved in Taira. And while he was still a merchant, he still, he began to write his uh, Sefer on Yaradeo, which is called the Chavas Das. Now, it's interesting that they say that years later, the, the author of the Yeshua's Yaakov, one of the Gedolim of the time, who also wrote on Yaradeya, he asked Rabbi Yaakov, why is it that his Sefer Chavazdas is much more mikubal, is much more accepted to learn as a, a classic Sefer on Yaradeya more than his Yeshua's Yaakov. And his question was, he says, you were a businessman. You were very busy with business when you wrote the Sefer. I, on the other hand, all I did was sit and learn. So how come your Sefer is much more accepted by the Hamoin Am? So the Chavaz Das told him and said, it's true that um, I didn't have a clear mind. He says, but it didn't bother me. I wrote down all Chidush Torah that I learned. I was Mechadesh, I wrote down. And every Sunday I would travel to Rebbe Shulam Igra and I would show them to him. 
And any chiddush that he found favor in his eyes, I kept. Anything else, I burnt. So even though my mind wasn't clear like yours when I wrote it, however, it went through a censor. It went through an editor. And anything that I printed was already kesaylis nikia. It already been refined by Remeshulam Igra. And that is why my uh, svarim were more makubal than yours. We'll see later a very interesting story how the Chavazdas asked the Ksais the same question that the Yeshuas Yaakov asked the Chavazdas. Um, Lamaisa became very burdensome on him twice a week to go into the marketplace and he decided that he's not going, he's getting out of this business. So he took all the money that he had and he gave it to, he invested it with somebody, someone who gave him the money and he says, you know, you could use the money, invest it for me and, um, and uh, I'll make a profit. It was a heteriska. He lent him the money with a heteriska and he, and he invested with him and that's how he started making money. One day, the, uh, the one he invested with came to him and told him that he sees the investment's not going very well, and he's afraid he's going to lose all the money. So he wants to give him back the principal of the money, and they're no longer partners. So he took back the money, Rabbi Yaakov. But then he found out it wasn't so simple. This man had really lost a lot of money. And all his other investors, he didn't pay at all. He declared bankruptcy. The only one who got back their principal was Rabbi Yaakov. I guess he had respect for him. So he felt bad. Why should he be the only one to get back his principal? So he took all the money, went to Bezdin, and he said, here's the money, split it up evenly or proportionately amongst all the other investors, and I'll get a portion just like anyone else, you know, a couple uh, pennies or nickels on the dollar. And that's not what happened. So he ended up losing a lot of money. And because of that, since he didn't get back his principal, he didn't have Parnassah. And at this point, he needed to now accept on himself to become a Rav. Um, um, so the first, um, the first, um, the first Rabbanus that he had was, was a place called, uh, Monastrich, which is, um, about 50 kilometers north of, uh, where he was, and, um, it was near, near a city called Buchach, famous city in Galicia. After that Rabbanus, he became Rav in a city called Kalush which was um, also in the same neighborhood as he, uh, as he ori- originally was um, in, Stanis- in uh, Stanislav. And um, in the Chuvas of Rameshulam Igra, and Avanazar Simon Ches, so he has a Chuva that's written to him by Rebbe Gazander Sender Margolius from the date Yud Gimel Cheshvan Tov Kuf Nunbeis, and he writes over there that this past summer, the Rav of Kalush came here, and um, who was the Rav of Kalush? So the grandson of Rameshulam Igra, who put out the Svarim, he writes in a footnote, Hu HaGoyin Chavazdas, that is Rabbi Yaakov Melissa the Chavazdas, Shenismana Behormana, that he was appointed the Rav in Kalush um, with the recommendation of my grandfather Rav Meshulam Igra. So it comes out that Rav Meshulam Igra is the one who gave, who, um, you know, um, gave uh, Hamlatsa, who recommended that he should be the Rav of the city Kalush, which was again close to the city where Rav Meshulam Igra was. So it's all in like one circle over here that uh, the Chavaz Das kept himself. So this, so he, he was saying that the previous summer, so that would be in 1791, he was already the Rav of Kalush. Again, we don't have the exact dates of everything till now, because uh, we don't know exactly when he was born, when he got married, all of these dates we don't have exactly. 
But now we have exactly that about in 1791, he was already the Rav in, in uh, Kalush. Um, now in Shuvis, um Rameshulam Igra, and Avon Azar Chavhei, it says over there, Michtav Rabbeinu, Lechvoid Hagoyin Chavazdas Bikak Kalush. This is a letter that Rameshulam Igra wrote to the Chavazdas when he was the Rav in Kalush. Hasamoch um, list, um, the, um, this is near to where Reb Mishulam Igra was the Rav when he used to learn from Reb Mishulam Igra so basically whoever wrote that I guess his grandson is saying that even when he was the Rav of Kalush he used to go to Reb Mishulam Igra to learn with him we had him before in Stanislav that he went to Reb Mishulam Igra and here even from Kalush it says he used to go learn from from Rabbi Shulam Igra. Now, in Kalush, in the year 1799, he put out the Sefer Chavaz Das and Yerodea. Like we said, he was already working on that uh, before. Now, he originally printed it um, he printed it anonymously. And in Tovkov Samachei, he reprinted it a second time. In Tovkov Samachvav, he reprinted it a third time. In Tovkov Samach Aleph, which is 1801, he printed his Sefer Maisa Nisim on the Haggadah Shal Pesach, classic uh, Pirish on the Haggadah. And again, a second time in Tovkov Samach Zayin, he printed it again. In Tovkov Samach Dalid, he printed the Imre Yoisher on Chomish Megillois. And in Tovkov Samach Tes, he printed the Mekar Chaim on Ochas Pesach. And in Tovkov Samach Tes, the first Chalik of Nesivas Hamishbat and Choshen Mishpat. The second Chalik of Nesivas HaMishpat was already um, in Tavkov Vav. he was already the Rav of Lisa. So we see over here in Kalush, he came in the year 1791, and from the year 1799 um, until the year 1809, he printed many, many Svarim here in Kalush. It seems he was able to learn and uh, produce all of these Svarim. Now, in his Sefer Chavaz Das, he wrote in the Akdama, again, he wrote it anonymously, and he says, the point of the Sefer is not Loheris mitaychay. I don't want people paskening from the Sefer. I just want people, I want to learn in front of the Chachamim like a Talmud. So it's like me learning in front of the Talmidim, Talmid Chachamim. And he says, its name teaches us, his name is Chavaz Das, I didn't um, write the Sefer that you should accept my Psaq, just das, meaning I want to tell you my opinion, but you, the Tamid Chachamim, you should decide if this is Taka a good opinion or not. And he writes over there, and maybe if you like it, you will have been Mikulam, that you'll be able to learn from me your Talmud. That's why he that's why he called the Chavazdas, and that's what he wrote it for. And he writes, I have Askama to this Sefer, however, I'm not printing it. Because if the whole point of the Sefer is just to learn from it, so I don't need a Haskama, you can learn from it, decide if you like what I'm saying or not. If it would be a Psak Sefer, I would need a Haskama. Now, in the year Tovkov Samachtes, which is 1809, he became the Rav of the city Lisa in Poland. So again, he was in what we would call today Western Ukraine, which was Galicia, and now he's going all the way westwards to Poland. Now, Lisa was an Irvaim Yisrael. It was a city that was ping-ponged back and forth 
through history for a few hundred years between Poland and Prussia, which is Prussia's Germany, many times back and forth. Lisa was... Rabbi Kivager lived there when he first got married. Rabbi Kivager lived there from 1781 to 1790. He had a yeshiva in Lisa. Um, in the year Tav Nun, there was a sreifa in... Um, there was a, 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 a fire that burnt down most of Lisa. This was the second fire. Um, they had a fire earlier in 17... Um, in 1767. And this was in 1790, they had another fire that burned down the entire city and really destroyed the city. Two years later, the Rav of the city, Rav David Tevli, was Nifter. And um, after he was Nifter, they didn't really get a new Rav because the city was totally destroyed, a lot of people had left. Until they built themselves back up, it took a while, until the year 1809, that they took Rabbi Yaakov as the Rav of Lisa, the Chavazdas as the Rav of Lisa. Now it's brought down a story that Reb David Tevli said before his, he was Nifter that they should find someone to be Mimala Makaimai to fill his place. And he has two people that uh, he thinks is a good candidate. One is named Reb Yaakov from Stanislav. Reb Yaakov from Stanislav, who he had once seen a letter or Dibrek Tyra from him. And the second one is the author of the Chavazdas, an anonymous person. Now, both those people are the same people. And basically, he was saying, he didn't know that, but uh, he was saying that he should be the next rub. It's hard, really, to substantiate this story because um, Rabbi Yaakov was, I mean, the Rabbi David Tevli was Nifter and Tafkof Nun Beis, and the Chavez Das wasn't printed until Tafkof Nun Tes. So the dates, passages don't work out. And it was many years later. Um, 17 years later, before they finally took him as the rub. So it's a little hard to believe um, that part of the story, but they do re- the, uh, the biographers do say such a story. Um, if not for the, for, 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 if not for the, um, for the recommendation of Rav David Tevli, the fact is the Kehillah was looking for a big rub. They knew there was the Sefer Chavaz Das, they knew it was anonymous, and they went to try to find out who the author was, and they found out who it was, and they offered him the Rabbanus, and he became the Rav. Now he came to Lisa, on the first Shabbos he didn't speak in Shul, which is very um, abnormal. A Rav speaks, the first Drasha is a big Drasha. And they asked him, why are you not speaking? He said, I'll tell you the truth, I don't know the people yet, and I can't speak and talk to the people if I don't know them yet. i got to know who they are and what their needs are and how to talk to them. So therefore, let me find out and understand the people, and I'll be able to speak. And the second Shabbos, he already gave a drasha. And Lisa, they supported him um, um, in, a, in a very, um, um, in a good way, in a, in a, in a very hush of a way. He had a, he had a good parnasa there. They used to give him ten, whatever the uh, currency was, a week. That was a, uh, a very nice uh, salary. Um, the first Shavuos he was there, they made actually a golden crown which they hung above his place in the shul on top of his head. And they asked him afterwards, did he like it? So he said, it doesn't fit me. So they, for some reason, thought that he was telling them that um, you don't pay me enough. The salary is not big enough. So they added on another five, whatever the uh, currency was. And uh, so now his, uh, his salary was 15 um, a week. Um, <clears throat> a year after he came there, so many of the, some of the Balabatim the Chashva Balabatim, they said, we're going to reprint Chavaz Das for you. And in the year Tav Kofayin, they reprinted Chavaz Das in a beautiful way. On, uh, was, it was a beautiful printing. It was on good paper. And, um, and um, 
And in the front of that printing of the Chavaz Das, there's a Hakdama from the Chavaz Das, and there's also a letter from those who printed it called Keser Malchus, and in it they talk about the Shvach, the praise of the Mechaber, and you're able to see the Kavod <coughs> that and the and the love that the Balabatim and Lisa had for their Rav Rabbi Yaakov. In Lisa. Hundreds of Talmidim came to learn by him in his Bismedrish. Many of them were the next generation of Chashev Rabbanim in Poland and in Germany. Some of them, the famous Rebel Yogutmacher, was a famous uh, Rav, was his Talmud. Many Rabbanim, many Gedoyle Chasidish Rabbanim also were his, um, were his Talmidim. Now, not far from Lisa, about 84 kilometers, is Posen. Posen is where Rebbe Kivega was the Rav from the years 1814 to 1837. So about five years after Rabbi Yaakov became Rav in Lisa, Rabbi Kiveger became Rav in Posen, and there was a very close uh, relationship that um, Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Kiveger had. There's many stories um, that they had together. Rav Shach Zichrayin Levracha used to say, B'Shem Rabbi Zalman, that the Achva and the Reus and the Kavad HaTayrah that Rabbi Kiveger and the Chavazda showed to each other, ain't Lashire. It's something that's unbelievable. Um, one story is a famous story where they say they were once traveling somewhere and the uh, Balabatim, the people of the city, unhitched the horses to pull the wagon and Rabbi Kivager got off the wagon because he wanted to pull the wagon for the Kavadatar of the Chavazdas and the Chavazdas got off the wagon because he wanted to pull the wagon too for the Kavadatar of Rabbi Kivager and it turns out they were both pulling the wagon and there was nobody in the wagon. They both were doing it uh, for each other. There's another famous story that they were once together in a in some in some inn somewhere in a in a in a in a hotel and um, the Nesivas had to leave the room for a minute and Rabbi Kivager saw someone standing by the door he thought he wanted to ask a Shaila he was just staring at him so he asked him could I help you he says no I don't have a Shaila I just want to look at the Rebbe I want to look at the Rebbe he meant Rabbi Kivager. So Rikivager told him, the Rebbe left for a few minutes, he'll be back in a few minutes, you'll be able to look at him, because he assumed that he was referring to the Chavazdas. Now, in those days, the Reform was making inroads in Ashkenaz. If you remember way back, we talked about Rabbi Shleim Eger's times, um, which um, Rabbi Yaakov was also, um, Rabbi Yaakov Milisa was also involved, and Rabbi Shamshir Val Hirsch a little bit later, and uh, the Aruch Laner. So, Reform was making a lot of inroads in Germany, and especially in the city of Hamburg. And we spoke about this in 1818. They put up a temple in Hamburg, and um, the Rabbanim of Hamburg um, got all the G'dayli Hadar to make a protest against it. Rabbi Kiveger signed it, the Chavazda signed it, some Seifer, many other Rabbanim. And they put together a little booklet called Eila Divrei Habris, and this was in 1819. And they... Um, Oh, they asked her, they prohibited um, changing the Seder HaTzvila. Um, you're not allowed to daven in another language. And you're not allowed to have any music, organs, in the shul on Shabbos and Yantif, even if the Goyim are playing it. These were three major things that the Reform were doing in their temples. And this Eila Divra Habris, um, that Rabbi Yaakov Melissa was a big part of this fight against the Reform, he was a part of this, uh, this Sefer. Now, in that same year, in 1819, Rabbi Yaakov Milis actually wrote a letter to the people of Hamburg, and 
he asked them, why are you doing this? Why are you separating from Kla Yisrael? Long letter, he writes about it. Um, you know, what are the Goyim going to say that you're throwing out the Messiah of your ancestors? And at the end, he signs it, he says, these are my words for the love of Torah, the love of every person in Klai Yisrael. In other words, basically he was saying the fact that I'm fighting against you is not a mechama, it's not a lack of shalom. Adarab, I love shalom. You're the ones who are separating yourself from Klai Yisrael and why are you doing that? Now, this was when they were in Hamburg. It didn't take long for them to move eastward, and eventually they made it to Lisa. And after about 10 years in Lisa, the, the city of Lisa changed from one extreme to the other. F- till now, there were many Loimde Taira, there were many people who were listened to the Rav, and now the reform made inroads. And in fact, in the, the Nesivas has a famous Savo, he wrote to his children, and he wrote, be very careful about those who teach the children. Unfortunately, there's there's fewer learn people who learn Tyra and and those who teach Tyra. And um, if you want to find true Tyra Jews, you have to search for it like treasures. Hadar parutz. This this uh, generation is just. Parrots, it's wide open, it's been breached, and if you many of the teachers are teaching the children all types of incorrect things and 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 uh and uh, divrei tiflos and kvira, and therefore you have to make sure he tells his children that whoever your children's teachers are, make sure that they know what they are, that they are, make sure you know that they're truly tamidi chachamim. In the year Tavkaf Ayin Ches, he was maspid to gedayli hadar who were Nifter. One of them was Rav Israel Horowitz, the Rav of Lublin, who was known as the Eisner Cup, the uh, Iron Head, Reish Habarzal he was called, and he was the um, Misnaged, the Bar Plugta, the one who argued with the Chayza from Lublin. He was the Misnaged, the Chayza from Lublin was the Chassid. That was one of the G'dayli Hadar he was Maspid, and the other one was named Rav David Lando Palak, he was a Rav in Dresden, and uh, he had he had he had grown up in Lisa, and um, he writes over. He said over there in that hesped, he says, he says, The Torah has been minimized here. He says, no one wants to take a son-in-law Tamil Chacham. No one wants to support Tamid Chachamim. And he says it's very hard to find Tamid Chachamim. You know why it's hard to find Tamid Chachamim? Because this is a punishment, when you are not interested in Tamid Chachamim, you're disgusted with Tamid Chachamim, Hashem takes the Tamid Chachamim away. And earlier in that Hesbid, he writes, He says, In the last 10 years, if you want to contrast how many Tamidim, how many people who learn Torah there are in Lisa, he says, it's, it's less than 10%. He says, less than 10% of what we had before are the amount of Lymdim here. So you see how the city of Lisa changed. As much as he fought, it changed um, from extremes. Now, in the year 1821, Tavkuf Pe'alif, he suddenly left Lisa and went back to Galicia. And the biographers for years have a hard time trying to figure out why exactly he left. Um, some say it had to do with a get that he had to give to his wife. Others say it had to do with the mas- the reformers themselves made a lot of trouble for him, and that's why he left. 
In Tavshin Chaf Beis in 1962, one of the biographers, Rebitzik Levine, I think he might even be a, a grandson, uh, a descendant of the Chavetz Das, so he found a um, he found in a library a whole uh, a, a whole packet of letters and history about this period, and it seems as follows: It seems Reb, uh, the Chavetz Das somewhere along the line his first wife had passed away, and he got remarried a second. He got remarried, and his second wife he couldn't live with, and he had to divorce her. But for some reason he had to divorce her in Galicia. I'm not sure exactly why. He had to go back to Galicia. Maybe she went back to Galicia and he had to go there to divorce her. So it's a big trip from Poland to Galicia. So he made a deal with the Kehila that he's going to come back and uh, when he comes back he's going to be the Rav again. And this deal that they made, they actually signed and they gave it to safe, for safekeeping to Rabbi Kivager. He was the one who was, they gave it for safekeeping. About a half a year afterwards he wanted to come back However, the reformers and others had made trouble, and they said, we'll take you back, but we're lowering your salary. And there was a back and forth, Ribki Vega was shocked, there's letters back and forth between the Kehillah and Ribki Vega, and they said, no, we'll take it back. And finally, okay, he was willing to come back, and all of a sudden he found out that the government will not allow him to cross the border back into Lisa. I don't know if it was Poland or Prussia at the time, whatever the border was. And it seems this, they said, you're not from here, you're, a, you're an illegal immigrant, and therefore you're not allowed to come here. So now it seems they didn't do this on their own, somebody got to them, and uh, the reformer, whoever it was, they didn't want Rabbi Yaakov to come back, they didn't want to rub. And at this point, he decided he's going to stay in Galicia, and he actually went back to his original town of Kalush. In Tuf Kuf Pei Beis, in 1822, he was in the city of Kalush. Um, now, in Kalush, he built a... Um, I'm sorry, uh, before we say that. No, I'm sorry, yes. In Kalush, he built a big shul, um, and on the wall of that shul was engraved, Zecher Oilam... Um, El Yaakov, this is a Zecher Oilam for Yaakov, and the gematria of that is 1826, Tavkuf Peivav, that was the year that he dedicated this shul. Now, in the year Tavkuf Pei Gimel in Kalush, he put out his Sefer Beis Yaakov, which is on Evan Ha'ezer, and also has Chidushim Amesech Ksubis, in the yeshivas, those who learn Ksubis, it's a, a classic Sefer on Ksubis. Um, in Tavkuf Peiches, he put out the Siddur Derech HaChayim, that's the Siddur that we've encountered with the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, um, who put a Pirush on it and um, reprinted it with his Hagoyz on it. And um, in Tshuva's base mayor, Chayshemishbet Simelamed, when he writes a tshuva to the Chavaz Das, he writes, Mareinu Rav Yaakov Avbezdin Kalush, Rav Yaakov the Rav of Kalush, but his net is spread to Lisa. Which means to say he was always known as Rabbi Yaakov of Lisa. Even after he left Lisa, it seems he kept ties with the city of Lisa. They didn't get another Rav for a very long time. And so therefore, even though he was in Kalush, the base mayor writes about him, but his net is spread all the way to Lisa. And in fact, he himself used to sign his letters, Yaakov Av Bezdin Lisa, Yaakov the Rav of Lisa, Chayna 
Kalush, who happens to be living here in the city of Kalush. So like we said, Lisa didn't get another rub for a very long time, and even from afar he kept ties to the people who were loyal to him and um, who uh, respected him in the city of Lisa. And in fact, in his Sava, Sifchavav, he says to his children, please tell the city of Lisa immediately when I'm Nifter, because they have a very nice minag with their Rabbanim, that they make a Kalmale every Yontif in the Shul. So therefore, please tell them immediately about my Petira. So he always considered himself still the Rav of Lisa. Now, he was in the city of Kalush for about eight years until he paskined a Psak Din and put someone in Cherim. And that person was a very uh, influential person. And he went and he went to the government and he said some type of Lashon Hara about him. And because of that, he had to be, leave the city of Kalush. And he decided to become a Rav in Alta Oiven. Alta Oiven, we've met a few times, and that's Budapest. And uh, that's all the way in Hungary. So he's going now from the western Ukraine to travel to Hungary, which is a pretty long trip. And who was he coming to replace as the Rav? Someone we've met already before, Reb Tzvi Hersh Heller, who was the Rebbe of the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch. Reb Tzvi Hersh Heller was the Rav in Budapest. So he, he left Kalish to go to the Hungarian border. And on the way he came to a city called Stray which is in western Ukraine, and he stopped over there until he got the proper papers that would allow him to cross the border into Hungary. Now, one of the uh, influential members of this city said he's going to help him out, but he said to himself, I'm going to help him out in a different way. And he said, instead of getting him the papers to cross into Hungary, he called a meeting of the city, of the, of the, of the Manhigim of the city, and they said, we have to make him our Rav, we're not going to let him leave our city, we're going to make the Chavazdas our Rav. And instead of bringing him his papers that allow him into Hungary, they said to him, they brought him a Ksav Rabbanus, and he accepted to become the Rav there in the year 1830. Um, and that year, he reprinted again his Sefer Nesivas HaMishpat. Um, when he realized that he was feeling a little old and perhaps he was uh, felt that coming to the end of his life, he got a little nervous. He had many different ksavim, many different kisveyad um, that he didn't have a time to print. So he worked very hard to get as many chidushim that he had rented in his older uh, years. And in the year Tavkuf Tzadiyalif, he printed what's called Kehelis Yaakov, chidushim on Evan Ezer and on Arachayim. He was in the city of Stray for about two years, and on Erev Shabbos, Chof Heir Tovkuv Tzadibes, he was Nifter. In his Savo, he wrote that on his Matseva, you should not write that he is a Rav or a Goin. He says, As we know, he originally didn't want to become a Rav. He wanted to earn a living, and, but he was forced into it when he didn't have any money left. So he says, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe I should never have become a Rav. So if you're going to put on my matzeva that I was a Rav, he says, maybe, maybe I wasn't right to be a Rav. And why should my Avera be remembered forever? If you're going to put it on my matzeva, so that's like it's being remembered forever. It's in front of everybody. Maybe in front of Hashem too. He says, so perhaps... It wasn't the right thing for me to become a Rav. Maybe I wasn't Roy for it. So don't put that on my Matseva so my Chet shouldn't be constantly uh, be a reminder for people. 
On the second half of the matzeva, the second side of the matzeva is engraved, HaKever HaLozeh, that this kever, Yeponi Mikoltzad Amo Bashishetvachim, should remain a space on all sides, an Amo, which is six Tvachim. We just had this in Dafyaymi yesterday. An Amo is six Tvachim. Um, an Amo Beninus is called. And he says, there should be, no one should be buried around me six Tvachim. Kichain Siva, the Bala Machaber Sefer Chavastas Hanitzman Poi. This is again engraved on the Matseva that there should be no one within six Tvachim around him, because this is what the Mechaber of the Sefer Chavazdas, who's buried here, um, commanded us to do. And in the Tzava, when he writes that, uh, that thing, he writes, Ki Chazal hikpidu al Chazal were very makbid, there should be a six Tvachim space between Mason. I guess you see from the time that they would bury people closer to each other. And uh, he wanted Dafka that it should be, that there should be a bit of space between him and the other Kvar. <coughs> now, if you remember, we mentioned before the story with the Ksais. Now, we have to, we have to, the, we don't have time to go through all the Gedailim that he had a Shaykhaz with, but since he was considered from one of the Gedaili Hadar, he had a Shaykhaz with many Gedailim of the time. We mentioned the base mayor already, the Chazam Soifer, but... The one of the gedolim that he had um, a very close shaykh with, with was the Ksais Hachayshin. The Ksais Hachayshin was Rabbi Leib Hakayin Heller, who was Nifter in Tav Kuf um, Ayin Gimel. So he was Nifter before the uh, Nesivas, and he was a Rav actually before the Nesivas in the city Stray from the year uh, 1788 to 1812. He was a Rav in this city Stray. Now, um, now, when the Ksais was in Stray, the Nesivas was the Rav in Kalush. So they had a, which was close by, they're all in, like we said, all in Western Ukraine and Galicia. So they had a close Shaykhis to each other. Um, they used to meet very often and talk and learning. So when the Ksais HaChoshim put out his Sefer on Choshim Mishbat, Reb Yaakov put out the Nesivas, which he has many questions on the Ksais. The Nesivas is not just a Sefer on Chayshemishbat, but rather he brings the Ksais very often and asks questions on the Ksais. The Ksais, in a later printing, printed a Kuntris, which is called Mishoivev Nesivas, and in there he answers the Nesivas' question. So when you learn Chayshemishbat, and when Bachrim, when you learn in Yeshivas, these Mesechtas, that Chayshin Mishbat monetary and Yanim, the Ksais is a classic safer to learn. You learn the Nesivas, who very often argues on the Ksais. And then to see the Ksais' rebuttal, you go to the back and you see the Mishayvev um, Nesivas. So they had a Yedidus. Now there's a story that they say, if you remember in the beginning of the Shir, we said that the Yeshua's Yaakov asked the Chavazdas why the Chavazdas is much more accepted to the world than the Yeshua's Yaakov Sefer. A very similar conversation happened between the Chavazdas and the Ksois. The Chavazdas asked the Ksois, why is it that the Ksois is much more accepted than the Chavazdas was at that time? I'm sorry, than the Nesivas was at that time. Why was the Sefer Ksois much more accepted by the world than the Sefer Nesivas Hamishpat? So the Ksois asked him, let me ask you, what's your daily schedule of learning? How early do you get up in the morning and what do you do when you get up? So Rabbi Yaakov told him, I get up like 5 o'clock in the morning, 
and I start learning brand new. Wherever I left off yesterday, I start a brand new sugya and continue from where I was. So the Ksai says that's the difference. I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning as well, same time as you. But instead of going further, in the morning when my head is clear, I go back over everything that I wrote yesterday, everything I learned yesterday, and I see what I made mistakes in, and I fix all my mistakes, so that by the time I finish writing the Ksai's, everything is very clear, the Hezber, the explanation, is very clear and easy to understand, and therefore... Um, my Sefer is much more makubal amongst the Laimdim because it's much easier for them to read. You get a clear understanding very quickly because I worked on it. Mashenk and your Sefer, you have a good chidushim there. However, the fact is that you didn't edit it the same way as I did and therefore that is why your Sefer is not as makubal amongst the Laimdim at the time. Like we say throughout the history, Ksais and Nesivas do go together but the, um, the, the ksois is, is easier to learn, easier to understand. Doesn't mean it's less lumdus, of course not, and less depth to it, but it is easier, safer to understand than the Nesivas himself. And that is Rabbi Yaakov Milisa, better known as the Nesivas HaMishbat or the Chavaz Das. Schusa Yogin Aleinu Yisrael. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Kol Tov.